In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear friends in Christ, last week we celebrated the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the transfiguration, we saw the fullness of who Jesus really was. The beloved Son of God in human flesh, come to save us from our sins by the work of the cross. In the transfiguration, the God nature of Jesus was clearly visible, shining through his human form. And as this reality of God and man, two natures in one Jesus was revealed, God the Father speaks a sermon to you from heaven, begging you to listen to Jesus. Listen to his word. Listen to his preaching and teaching. Listen to his message of salvation through the cross. And thus this morning we begin the journey from Epiphany to Lent with Septuagesima Sunday. And right away, our lectionary gives us an opportunity to listen to Jesus, to listen to his preaching, to listen to a parable. It's a familiar parable, one you've heard many times, one that teaches us about the kingdom of heaven, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. You know how it goes. A master goes out early in the morning and hires laborers for his vineyard. You see, making wine is a time-sensitive job. The work needs to get accomplished, and quickly. You want to end up with wine at the end, not vinegar. To make good wine, the grapes must be picked at the perfect moment when the sugar content's right, when the moisture level's right, before the grapes shrivel up into raisins. The grapes that get picked need to be hauled from the vines into a place to be squeezed quickly. In the ancient world, trampled by servants' feet, made into juice that overflows into vats to begin their open-air fermentation. To make everything perfectly, the owner of a vineyard has just a few days to pick, squeeze, and begin fermenting grapes to make good wine so that you might make a profit, so that you might sell it, let alone drink some yourself. So when you're working in a vineyard, the more servants you have, the merrier. And so the master, early in the morning, hires his first workers. And he even offers them a fair wage, a denarius per day. In the ancient world, that's how much everyone made in a day's work. But the more workers, the merrier. 
So a few hours later, the master goes back out into town and sees more people waiting to get hired. And he does just that. He sends them into the vineyard also. Again at lunchtime, again at three in the afternoon, again in the evening, the master finds more workers and sends them to work in the vineyard. Finally, seemingly just a few minutes before the end of work time, the master hires his last group and sends them into the vineyard to work. When evening comes, the workday is over and the paying of wages begins. The Bible's very clear about how this happens. Leviticus 19 teaches that laborers were required to be paid the day they earned the wages. There was no keeping pay back to every two weeks. There was no bi-monthly paydays. You got paid the day you worked. That way, if you got cheated and the payment wasn't made, you only lost one day's wage. God required them to be paid the day they earned their pay. And so, the master begins to do just that. He starts with those who were hired last, who had worked the least amount of time. And he gives them a denarius, the legal day's wage. The afternoon workers, the same amount. The lunch workers, the same amount. The early morning workers who labored long and hard, whose hands are stained with grape juice, their muscles tired and aching from lifting, pressing, picking grapes all day long, come last and also are paid a denarius. Well, that's not very American, is it? Shouldn't they get more? That's what they think. They grumble at the master. It's not fair. We deserve more since we worked longer. You made us equal with those who hardly worked at all. Don't we deserve the big bucks? I mean, for the love of Pete, we worked 12 times longer than these last folks but got the same pay? And so the master speaks to them. And dear Christian, I encourage you to listen to these words from the master. They're words for you also. He says, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to these other workers as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge 
my generosity. Did you catch that? The master gives what was promised. No more, but also no less. He gives what he has promised. He gives it equally to all who work in his vineyard. The early arrivers get the same amount as the late arrivers. And what is given is generous. Generous indeed. The last are first, and the first are last. Dear friends in Christ, at the transfiguration, God the Father in heaven begs you to listen to these words of Jesus, these words from his beloved Son. But what do they mean? What implication can they have for us here, today, now? I mean, I've driven around Lincoln a little bit and I haven't seen many vineyards in the Lincoln, Omaha area. Is this just some parable about horticulture? How to grow grapes in your own yard? No. These are words about God's kingdom. These are words for you. These are words about your salvation. You see, the church, the church is God's vineyard where he prunes, where he plants, where he grows Christians in a world of sin and sorrow and suffering. And did you notice what the master does to keep his vineyard operating? He is constantly going out into the world and calling people into his vineyard. The time is short after all. Soon the harvest will be complete. There's no time to waste. The master, God, needs people in the vineyard now. And did you notice how the master brings people into the vineyard? He seeks them out with his word. He preaches sermons. You go into the vineyard. What glorious words. God has spoken them to you. Go into the vineyard. Go into God's kingdom. Go into God's house. Go and you will receive your generous reward. What reward is it that you receive for being here in God's vineyard, for hearing God's word. No, it's not a denarius. 
Pastor Poppy and I aren't going to pay you money for coming here as you leave the building. But what are you given here in God's vineyard? You're given forgiveness of your sins. Not by the squeezing out of juice from grapes, but by the squeezing out and shedding of blood from Jesus on the cross. The blood of Jesus who died for you gives you forgiveness of sins. Your sins are taken away. The blood of Christ has purchased and won you from this sinful world, rescuing you from the devil's power and from your own sinful desires. The blood of Jesus forgives your sins. And it belongs to you now. Instead of sin, you now have holiness, righteousness, and grace given to you in place of it. And that forgiveness is yours as soon as you enter God's vineyard. It is bestowed upon you in the waters of holy baptism. It is fed to you in the very body and blood of Jesus from the altar. The forgiveness of God is brought to your ears in preaching, in singing, in the proclamation of the absolution, God's own words, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in all of these things, God's word comes to you and brings you into his vineyard. You, the master says, go into my vineyard. It's a gospel sermon. And that forgiveness, life, and salvation, it's yours now. It doesn't matter if you entered when you were very young. It doesn't matter if you entered when you were old. It doesn't matter if you entered God's vineyard anywhere in between. The reward is yours and it is generously given. You are forgiven. You are Christian. And then Jesus gives a word of warning from the Master. Having generously bestowed forgiveness, life, and salvation, the Master says, do not begrudge the Lord's generosity. Do not be angry about who God has chosen to save. He desires all to be saved. He keeps on going out and bringing more here into his vineyard. He doesn't choose to save based on human categories. 
He doesn't choose to save based on age or race or experience. The Lord doesn't care about your political party. He doesn't care about your human success or your matters of power and glory. He doesn't care who's in the front pew or the back. He doesn't care who puts more in the offering plate or who puts less in the offering plate. He doesn't care if you're tall or short, rich or poor, black or white or any other thing. His call, go into the vineyard, goes out to all. What he cares about is that you hear and listen to his word. Go into the vineyard, go to church, go where I bestow my generous wage upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So dear Christian, do not begrudge the Lord's generosity in these matters. Do not begrudge the Lord's generosity saying, I've been a member of this church for 20 years. I was here even before Pastor Poppy arrived. So I get more say than those others. Don't begrudge the Lord's generosity by saying, I support more of this congregation's financial obligations. But at the voters meeting this week, I've been made equal to those who give none. If you keep wanting my offerings, you better do what I want. Don't begrudge the Lord's generosity by saying, if things don't go the way that I want them to go here in this congregation, I'll go to another vineyard down the street. Don't begrudge the Lord's generosity by saying, my skills are underutilized. I don't get my way. I've been a Christian longer. I'm stronger or taller. I serve on this board or any other ridiculous human thing. Don't begrudge the Lord's generosity. Instead, repent and heed the Lord's call. The call to go in the vineyard. The call to be saved. To receive along with all the other saints the Lord's generous gift of salvation.
The Lord is here among us, present in word and sacrament. Do not begrudge the Lord his gift to you and thus lose it, forsaking it over petty, unimportant matters. Don't try to make yourself first in the congregation by bullying, by threatening, or by self-justifying yourself. The first in this congregation are last. And the last is first. Yes, Jesus is first here. Jesus who made himself last by giving up all that he had, by being stripped naked, beaten, falsely charged, and killed on a cross. He is the first among us. And having raised from the dead, he is here present to bestow his gifts upon you. Do not forget what that gift is. Forgiveness, life, and salvation freely bestowed upon you. You need not earn it. All you need be is in the vineyard, in the church. Christ gives his gifts here, as Isaiah says of the Lord's vineyard. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people. He will take away from the face of the earth. For the Lord has spoken. The Lord has given his word, his gifts, his blessings. All freely given to you. What a generous gift. What a glorious blessing. What fabulous words for us to listen to from Jesus. This is the vineyard of the Lord. You have heard the call, go into the vineyard. You've been called, gathered, enlightened, and sanctified. Receive your wages of life and salvation. Be glad of them. It's not too late. The call will keep going out even until the sun sets and the glorious day of the Lord arises in the east. And this world comes to its end as Jesus returns. That day is soon. The harvest is almost over.
Go into the vineyard. Heed God's call. Listen to Jesus. As God the Father begs you, listen to his word of salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. <laughs>